0: June 7th, 2023, we're in Masechet Beit Zandaf, Kaf Aleph Amud Beit, if you count from the top of the Amud down, seven lines down, two words before the end of the line. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated in honor of Sarah Cohen, Sophia Cohen, Marcel Cohen, Stephen and Sophia Cohen, Albert and Marcel Shami and Gail Mishan. and they're donated in memory of Nathan and Marlene Cohen, Jack Mishan, and Sophia Dweck. If you recall, the Gemara had mentioned to us the Beraita, in which there was a Mahloka, there was a dispute between Nabi Akiva and Rabbi Gilili HaGilili, about the Halacha with regards to Lachem Velola lakilabim, stated succinctly and clearly, is it permitted on Yom Tov to cook or to do any Melakha with regards to producing food for your animals, not per se your dog, but dog, and by extension, any other animal. Well, on the one hand, it's it is your responsibility to feed your animals. On the other hand, the Pasuk says, that final word of which is somewhat superfluous, it says that it's for you. And uh, perhaps, as Rebiyoseh Gilili, that's coming to teach us, that it's for you uh, in contrast and in contradistinction to your animals, even though you're responsible for producing and bringing food for your animals, not on Yom Toh, prepared beforehand. So Abaye in turn exclaims and remarks to Rav Yosef, based on this stringent opinion, which we have understood thus far to be the mainstream opinion, to be the normative approach that Lachem velo uh, the uh, production of food, or the melachot that can be done for melechet o'chir, nefesh, is permitted specifically for yourself, but not for dogs, not for animals. De'amar lachem hanes shadinan lehu biyom How is it that the sufaleh l'chayuta, she again says that's pits from dates, gar'ineh temarim, hechi how shadinan lehu. Shade means to throw. Anan means us. The conjugation of Shaddina means, do we throw? Lehu to them, be yom tob, to the animals on yom tob. Explains Rashi, uh, the first uh, top line of Rashi, Hechi Shaddinaan lehu. Kevan de la Adam la la hazu. Since they're inappropriate, they're not worthy to be eaten by a human being. Nobody eats date pits, as far as we know. Uma behemah la mishdere and you're not allowed to prepare food for animals, asireh betiltul, it should be asur, in turn, to carry, to, to You may have eaten the day for yourself, but the pits, you didn't eat, and you're not eating. How are you allowed to carry the pits to the animals? That's the question. You're certainly allowed to feed your animal. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to, pro- Number one, you're not allowed to produce food for your, for your animal on Yom Tov. Here is food, which is expressively and only for animals, it's not for human beings. As a result, perhaps it should be mukze. Now, Tosafot does question on the right-hand side, <laughs> So first Tosafot begins with a question of what are we dealing with with regards to the question. I've ex- already explained to you based on Rashi that the question of Abaye to Rav Yosef is it should be mukzeh. So Safot says, well, the Gemara never says that. Maybe it was a different issue. Maybe it was a Jared issue at hand. Vim Tomar What is it that he's uncertain about, Abaye to Rav Yosef? Hayalo Why should it be asur? What about these pits of dates should be prohibited? Imishum <laughs> tirha, says Tosafot, maybe the issue is what's called tirha. Now we've seen and we will see this concept of tirha yetera. The rabbis forbade on Yom Tov and on Shabbat extra, extra, uh, something that's going to be extraneous activities, something that's going to be uh, for you a uh, strain and it's going to be exerting a lot of energy and effort. Uh, to quantify that, of course, difficult. Maybe that's the issue. Tosafot says, and I can't explain it yet until we read the continued lines of the Gemara, that the answer of the Gemara won't work out. You'll still have that issue. Clearly, the rabbis were not nervous that it's going to be what's considered tirha. So it says Tosafot instead, if you just uh, skip down a few lines, it says Tosafot, viiba'e, um, so five lines into the Tosafot, le osro mishum mukse, maybe the issue over here is mukse. It's rabbinically prohibited. Maybe the issue is that any dog food, any animal food is considered mukseh. Lohi says to it's not so. How do you know it's not so? says to I have three questions. Number one, How is it that we, this is Tosafot talking about their own lives and, I don't know, farms or homes, how is it that we give grain to our animals? That's the first question. It's just certain to Tosafot? we're not doing the wrong thing, they and their community. And as a result, it can't be that that's for vi'od. And furthermore, we have a mishnah, tenan, the mishnah says in Masechet Shabbat, the halacha is you're allowed to carry on Shabbat Afunim are a type of kotniot or a type of legume or bean of some sort and the se'ar in that context if I remember correctly is the encasing, is the shelling it's not actual hair, it's the shell and whatever the point is when you're dealing with this uh, lentil or this type of kotniyot, uh, the thing that goes around it is not exactly what you and I are eating, and nonetheless, you're allowed to carry it on Shabbat. Why? It's machal bema. Clearly, machal bema, pet food, dog food, animals' food, is not muksevi'od. And furthermore, another gemara from Shabbat, de'amar, basar tafuah. Now, this doesn't mean some sort of appled. Uh, meat, a basar over there means a basar meat which is spoiled, spoiled meat. Metal telimoto, you're allowed to carry it on Shabbat. Why should you be allowed? Because it can be eaten by dogs. Clearly says Tosafot, based on a our reality, b a Mishnah Masechet Shabbat, c a Gemara Masechet Shabbat. Dog food, pet food, animals' food is permitted. It's not considered mukseh. So what's our gemara then? Having Abaye posing the question to Rav Yosef, v'yesh lomar da'hane garine timra? Says Tosafot, our particular, our specific situation of the pits of the dates. The circumstance situation is such that these pits are only edible even to the animal based on and after a lot of production. You would need to do a tikkun gadol to them, you'd need to cut them, you'd need to cook them in some way or fashion. Pause for a second and understand that. That means, according to the bi'akiva, the initial stages of the production would all be permitted. Why would they be permitted? The bi'akiva said you're allowed to prepare food for your animal. By extension, even if you haven't yet cut it up or cooked it or whatever, it's not mukseh. The animal might not be eating it in such a fashion, but you can prepare it. According to the in contrast, where you're not allowed to be cooking it for the animal. It's one thing if it can be produced into food for you, but the idea is it's not even edible for the animal yet. The only way it's edible for the animal is through a process which is asur to be done on Yom Tov. That being the case, that should be asur mishum mukseh. That in turn has no purpose. For the if you have food which is already produced by extension, of course that's not Muksehi, Giving it to the animal. For the biakiva, but the food isn't ready. But I could prepare it. Same way, I'm allowed to take raw meat in my kitchen on Yom Tov on, on such a circumstance. That's permitted on Yom Tov. However, according to Bi'osaygeliy, where you can't do the stages which are necessary for the food to go into the mouth of the animal. Oh, so then what is this? These are some raw pits which haven't had a, pro, a, a production uh, done to them. You haven't handled them and treated them to make them into food for the animal. That's moksev. They're not edible even for the animal. That's the question in turn now. Gemarav Rav Yosef doesn't make a difference it's again it's not even per se this example it's any example where you're dealing with something which is inedible for the animal now but yeah <laughs> the response in turn of, of Rav Yosef T'Abayez Ho'il sins V'hazoo they're appropriate or R'aui Lahasaka since they can be used to burn for your own heat, for your own cooking, for whatever it might be that you'll use that fire on Yom Tov for. In other words, on Yom Tov, of course, you're allowed to add to the fire, you're allowed to help the fire for your warmth or for whatever it is that you're doing, (coughs) producing food. Since these these, uh, pits of dates are usable for that, meaning you can utilize them for your own they're in turn not considered again, in terms of the animals, alright, the animals won't be able to eat from it because it'll necessitate a process which is prohibited oh, so then why am I allowed to carry them around, why am I... Oh, the reason you're allowed to carry them around is because ultimately speaking, you could use them hasaka. You could use them for yourself. Why are you carrying them at all? Are you really bringing them to the fire? Tosafot says they're which means to say it's not really edible for the animals. It's disgusting food even for the animals in such a state. That's why you're carrying it. You didn't produce it before the Yom Tov. You didn't go through the process of preparing it in a way that it's going to be good for the animal. Animals starving, you're allowed to throw it to them on Yom Tov. But ultimately speaking, the response of Rav Yosef, the reason it's Permitted is because it's ra'u l'hasakatinach. Says the Gemara, or says Abaye back to Rav Yosef. Biyam I'll understand what you're talking about with regards to dry. Avesh means dry, dry of the date. Uh, the, what's it called? Pits. Date pits. Biritiftah ma'ikale when it's ratuv, when it's moist. And different types of figs will have different types of moistness or dryness. You're not going to add that or use that with regards to lighting a fire, continuing the fire on Yom Tov, because it's moist. That's not used as the firewood, as the fire starter. Responds Rav Yosef, it's true. Moist ones are harder to use with regards to igniting and continuing the ignition of your fire, but when you have what's called a Heseh dol, you already have a burning fire, which is somewhat big. I don't know how we scale this or quantify this, but the idea being they can be used and would be, and anyone who's been on a, or actually knows what they're doing in these things, at a bonfire of some sort, you know that, well, the bigger the fire is, the easier it is to throw in even logs which are somewhat moist, and they'll help. If the fire is, is, is dim and low, you throw in a moist one, it's going to extinguish the fire. The larger, I, I I only know this from Biur Hametz, yeah. Is he even saying that you have to do that? he said that? just now, I don't think he said that. Does he have to No, it's a ho'il, it's since it's possible. Since it's possible. So you it's mm. this large fire, even though you may not even see a large fire for 10 years, Right, 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 which is, that's, uh, uh, but that's, that is in turn, that's the answer over here, that's. Use, uh, well, we've, we've been using this concept of ho'il throughout the Gemara, we've been, I, we've been mentioning that since there's a potential to use this for that, in turn, over here it's not even so far, it means it's not muxer, I'm not doing, I'm not even doing something, I know mean, other, other cases you were doing a melacha, min ha and we're permitting potentially, at the very least biblically speaking, from ho'il. I'm really saying it's not mukse because it has another use. Not so far fetched. Everyone seems to be so bothered by this. I don't understand the question. Uh, While I'm eating it, I'm the good. flesh of the date is permitted. When I'm finished eating the flesh of the date, <laughs> I'm let. That's right. Anywhere I'll tell you why everyone is, is I, know, I know why Nathan, because everyone never realized, and it's going to take a, a, we'll get to it, an eye-opening experience, where we understand that, the. the, the, okay. the, the but one second, when we find out that the, um, the bones of our chicken are not so simple when we leave them out on the table, how we clear them off has halachot. There's certainly muktzeh issues that come into fact, so that's the answer, the answer is, it is muktzeh. As I'm eating it, it's not muktzeh because I'm eating the flesh. Once I'm finished, all that's left is a pet pit. It's a pit, a pit is not edible, it's not usable for anything. Well, what's, that's right, like I said, you're gonna have, I'm sorry to say it, we're all gonna have an eye-opening experience, a difficult one, I remember when I was in yeshiva, I was learning in Maseche Petah, Rabbi Herschel Shechter's son, he should live and be well, his son was a good friend of mine, so he said to me, I never understood why my father on Friday nights was makpid to clear off the table. I'm sure his father cleared off the table more than Friday. He said he was always. He said I asked my father, and my father told. Him, as we were learning Pesach, he said nobody knows how to deal with these these bones. There are halachot. We'll read about them in the Gemara. So who in the house is going to do this right? He was makpid. He would clear off the whole table. That's right. There are halachot with regards to the, the leftover bones. Again, we'll deal with the specifics. We'll try to understand them. But that's the answer. The answer is it's mukse. says the Gemara, Tinach biyom tov b'shabbat mayika Tinach means it's understood. Milashon Noah. It's pleasant. I can accept. I can understand why these pits of dates would be permitted to move around, to give to the animals, even though it's ne'ekhala liyedeh It's difficult for them, but I can eat it on yom Tob because I could use it in turn for hesek, for the fire. Shabbat, you can't be handling fire. On Shabbat, the pits should be mukzeh. The haneh, if you recall, the uh, sufaleh, the Hayutah should be prohibited on Shabbat. Tinach biyom toh, beshabbat Apparently, they were moving these pits around, even on Shabbat. Says the Gemaran, metaltelin, or answers Rav Yosef, metaltelinan, we carry them, we carry those pits, agav, Agav, literally in Aramaic, the aleph at the beginning of a word is conjugated as al, on. Gav means back. It literally means on the back of. We use this, you know, by the way of. So in other words, agav means as a result of rifta. Rifta means bread. They're carried by means of bread. Kiddish muel, the Amar muel, Osei Adam kol bapat, period. And so we have a statement of Shimuel elsewhere which says that you're allowed to use bread for all of your utilities, for all of your needs. So what's he referring to? What does bread do over here? Rashi, Ose Adam Kosor Koba Pat, Al Yedeha Pat, Na de Ochalin. Now, the classic example of Shimuel is in Masechet Shabbat. We referenced it earlier in our Masechet, and that is if a person has someone who, who, who uh, dies on Shabbat. A person dies on Shabbat. The body, even though it was permitted a few minutes ago to move and to deal with, becomes mukzeh. Can you now move it from room to room as Nesov? Not, not so fast. What needs to be done is it's agav. Now one of these is jarring, the other one a little bit easier. Agav rifta otinok. Rifta, what it means is if there's a piece of bread on the individual, you're moving the body because of the piece of bread. That's the way we do it. Bread is permitted. It happens to be with regards to if they're wearing clothing, it's not so hard either. But clothing is not mukset. Okay, but what we're talking about in this circumstance is. Let's say the body is exposed, there's no clothing on it, but you need to move the body, put a piece of bread on the body, and in turn you can move the body, the body doesn't have a status of mukse. The other example is tinok. I don't know, it's uh, rabbis, I guess we're not as, or people, we're not as in tune to traumatic experiences as we are today. I can only imagine you put the child onto the dead body so that you could move the dead body out of the room. The child is not mukseh. These are the ways that you could handle such circumstances. But the Hidush of here in the Gemara is that on Shabbat, when I'm dealing with pet food, which has to, in order to be given even to the pets, go through a process, in turn, it's not ne'echal in this moment the way it is. It should be mukseh. Not really the case if, I don't know if anyone owns pets, you have pet food in your home, which you give to the pet right away. And if you don't have that, you're finding some of the food that you would eat not really arising, but what we're talking about over here is these uh, these pits from dates which are not edible in such a way and they're edible only what you can and would need to do is take a piece of bread, put the pit on it and then bring it to the animal and this way you were carrying it what's the hidush over here? you're allowed to move things that are that are not mukseh with something that is mukseh that's what Rashi adds in the hidush with regards to bread as opposed to anything else, supposed opposed to clothing, blah is that we don't have a problem with bizayon or chalim. You might say it's, uh, it's, it's shameful to the food, but we're doing something purposeful with the food, and that, in turn, is permitted. Is what still edible? The, the bread after you move some pits on it? I don't, you're in the I don't know. I, oh, my yeah. bread is never... You don't eat here, so old Ashley she, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway but the, uh, what the what what the Gemara this is the the end of, of this subya here in the Gemara. The Gemara will return us in a moment to Ravuna. Just want to mention something that came up on a Shabbat class a few weeks ago. On Shabbat class a few weeks ago someone asked about pets in general, not food for pets, but pets in general on Shabbat, for example. Um, could you pick up a pet on Shabbat? This is far from a simple halakha. You probably should say that you're not allowed to pick up an animal on Shabbat. It's Mukse. food for it is Mukse. I'm not a kosher can, but it happens to be. You'd imagine and you should think that animals are all mukzeh. And for many generations, for a long time, that was the general narrative, the conversation amongst the poskim. Until today, most poskim will tell you that you're not allowed to move pets uh, what you can do is you can have the pet, so to speak, move you. You could, you could have a leash on the uh, dog and you could take a walk with it, but you can't pick up the dog. I mean, it's a tricky situation. Never owned a dog. I have no aspirations to do so, but I, I do know it's far from simple. What happens if the dog jumps onto you and all that sort of stuff? There's not simple situations. you allowed to stroke its, uh, its fur and so forth. There is, interestingly, in the final or the, one of the final bot of Rav Moshe Feinstein, it's in Igirot Moshe Chelek He, uh, like many other rabbis, he wrote after his death. After his death, two more halakim were published from his responsa, and one of them, in Helek Chet, there's a contradiction to something it said earlier. Earlier, he has a by in which he says, household pets, he seems to say, explicitly are mukzeh. In this later one, so there's a different font, and the font changes in those later tishubot with regards to things he said ba'alpeh to his grandson who was with him at the end of his life and things that he put in writing, and they detail that, which was a mistake. Maybe they shouldn't have told us that. And in the detail with regards to what he said ba'alpeh to his child, to his grandson was, uh, well, when it's household pets, they're like a toy. They're not considered like a ba'al hai, they're not like an animal. It's like a toy, and in turn, it's not considered mukseh. There is and was and will be all sorts of controversy. What was Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's opinion with regards to pets? Uh, well, he wrote one way, and then he wrote this at the end of his life. So just a few years ago, well, there was a rabbi. There's a rabbi who's uh, he's, he's a business person from from uh, from Los Angeles. His name is Tzvi Reisman. So Tzvi Reisman wrote a letter to Shaptey Rapoport, Rabbi Shabtai Rapoport who's related to the family who published these tissue books and he asked him for the whole story on this and he said to him, you should know, I heard on many occasions from my grandfather that bizman hazeh pets, Household pets like cats and dogs are not considered mukseh and it's makom gadol li'smoch It doesn't mean People should be picking them up, but as necessary, that's how I say it. As necessary, you really need a. I don't know why you're owning uh, nothing halachically per se, but I just can't understand it. I know it's. I've, I've been told recently kelev kol lev. Everybody loves them because they open your heart. But whatever, regardless. So if you're in a circumstance where you really need to move it, so yesh makom gadol li'smoch an Moshe Feinstein. Lastly, in that respect, my father disputed this. It's written in one of these books that I uh, was reading that Shabbat, that his son-in-law, that's Rabbi Tenler, was one of my father's rabbis, he had a cat in his home, and he asked his father-in-law about this, and the father-in-law said, no, it's a pet, it's permitted, it's like a toy. There's no prohibition today when you're dealing with pets. So I told this to my father on Shabbat, my father said, Rabbi Tenler didn't have a cat. All right, so I don't you know, I'm not sure exactly who to trust and what to do on these sorts of things. Yes? So you're Preparation of the food for an animal is prohibited. That's Rabbi Osei That's baseline. Rabbi Akiva disagreed. We go like Rabbi Osei The question is when you're not preparing it, but it's mehusar ma'aseh, it would need to be prepared. You're not going to be preparing it. Can you carry that? Uh, so the suggestion is it's not mukse and that's what we were dealing with. All right, the Gemara goes on and says, Upliga, and the way Rashi explains this is, piligat of course means he's disagreeing with, who's disagreeing with, Levi? our Rav Hunah, whom we talked about yesterday, Rav Hunah at the bottom of Def, Kaf, Alf, Amud, Alf, if you recall, was dealing with the following situation. You have the legion, the, the troopsmen, who are passing through or staying in your city, and they're demanding and forcing you and the other Jewish inhabitants to produce for them bread. What's the halakha in such a circumstance, remember? So the Gemara told us that Rav Hunah instructed to find out, to discern whether the children would be able to partake in the bread. If children would be able to partake in the bread, we say each one of those pieces and loaves of bread which which are made could be for the child, and as a result it's permitted. That was the statement of Ravuna. says the Gemara. That concept, that idea, that Pesach halacha is peligadir B'Yoshua Ben-Levi. De'emar B'Yoshua Ben-Levi, M'zamenin et hanokri b'shabat, v'en m'zamenin et hanokri b'yom Tov. ge'zera sheme yerbe b'shvilo. The statement of B'yoshua ben Levi is he draws a contrast, ironically, more stringent on Yom Tov than on Shabbat with regards to invitation to a non-Jew to your home. How so? Well, when it comes to invitation of a non-Jew to your home on Shabbat, uh, what could the issue be? Hilul Shabbat? There is no Hilul Shabbat. You can't cook on Shabbat even for yourself i not going to fear that you're going to be cooking for the non-Jew. You're allowed to invite the non-Jew to your home for a meal. On Yom Tob, you're not allowed to. Not biblically. Rabbinically. It's a gezerah. It was a fear of the rabbis they built a restriction and a gate over here that if you invite the non-Jew well, you might be making food for your family and in turn without realizing without thinking about it you'll make extra food for the non-Jew What's the problem? The problem is that you're not allowed to make food for non-Jews on Yom Tov Wait a second didn't Rav Hunah tell us we have a leniency over here? Couldn't you dip your food the fingers into that pot, couldn't you give a little bit to your child? Clearly, Rabbi be Yoshua ben Levi does not adopt that leniency. You earlier you can't do it with your all right? so it doesn't matter if you're doing it. At a certain point, because you're not doing this extra food for the kid to eat, now it's doing with your I You know, I, I hear what you're saying. Rav Hunah told us otherwise. Rav Hunah said, provided that there's a possibility that that dish could be shared by you and your children, well, then it's permitted. In other words, uh, no, but mirma is different over, over here. It could there's it, not a real ramaut per se. I'm making the food. I'm, I might want to have some of this. I'm making the bread. I might take a piece of that, a, a loaf of that bread. Mirma, the ramaut that we were talking about, is, this is the amount I need. And now I'm saying, oh, I might want more, I might. Over here, this is the food. I might take partake, I really might partake in that piece or I might have that piece. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi says, it's not so. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi says, since you might be making more for the non-Jew, we cut it with regards to inviting them on Yom Tov. So, Ravahabar Yaakov Shabbat namelo. Yaakov is stringent even with regards to Shabbat. No invitation of a non-Jew. Why not? Mishum Shiure kosot. Because of the leftover wine in cups. What does that mean? Rashi, shiurei kosot, the first narrow line of Rashi, shel yain shechara b'hen pito umetaltelan hashamash lehatzniyah hakos. Rashi is explaining the issue is a tiltul issue, a mukse issue. Again, Once goes, he, he drank from the wine in the cup, his wine. Because his lip touched it, becomes what's considered stam yenam or yayin We'll define those in a second. The wine, in turn, is prohibited to get any benefit from. The wine, as a result, is mukseh. The cup, therefore, becomes a halachic terminology which is called a basis lidavarha asur. The cup is now holding and encasing something which is prohibited, something that's mukseh. The whole entity is asur. What does it mean? Once upon a time, non Jews who were pagan, idolaters, used to take wine as part of their libation of sacrifices. They would bring their korban to their deity and they would libate it with wine. Apparently, they would do this in any and every circumstance. They'd see wine and they'd say, How wonderful! and they would sanctify it in some way and part of a process of worship. To their, to their being, to their to their God, with a lowercase g. Um, that's, that was once the reality. What about today? Well, we had a concept. It's called Stamiena. The rabbis extended this Isur from the Torah. Stamiena means without knowledge of the situation, without knowing, and you can't know what's going through the mind, because this is Asur. We treat all wine that's exposed and handled or touched by non-Jews as problematic. Problematic to what extent? You're not allowed to even benefit from it. You're not allowed to even make money off of it or serve it to someone who's not Jewish. That's the issue with regards to our Gemara. So you serve this what Now how do we deal with this in today's day and age? Gemara Navodazar already tells us some of these details. We do what's called Bishul on the wine. That's why you have non mevushal and mevushal wine. Non mevushal wine I'm told, tastes better. It hasn't gone through the same process of boiling as mivushal wine. What did the boiling help? The way their worship worked, much as the way, ironically, ours did, was that Mevushal wine was pasul for nisu. They couldn't use Mevushal wine as part of their libation. It's not anything more than that. And as a result, there's no fear that they're using it as nezich uh, because they couldn't, they wouldn't according to their laws. All right, but back in our Gemara, the issue is that you have non-mebushal wine in your home, the rabbis will fear. Even on Shabbat, as you invite the non-Jew and they take the glass of wine and they drink from it and they put it down and there's going to be a little bit left over after the meal. How is your shamosh, how is your butler, how is you, your child, whoever's clearing off the table, how are they going to move that cup? Someone Jewish is going to be moving that cup, and that will pose a problem of muktzeh. Why is it muktzeh? Because the wine, which has no usage any longer, is inside of this utensil. This utensil is what's called the basis. It's a base. It's a platform for davar ha-asur, and it why, itself... Why and Yom, Tov, yes, Yom Tov, we already said it's asur. It's asur on Yom Tov already, is <laughs> In other words, we have to say This, sort of this faith, is ash Shabbat. that's right. This, no, no, this is very, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what case you're talking about, but Jared is asking, we will, a little bit more in our Masechet, get to more details, there are many details with regards to Basis, Basis has a full siman plus in Shulchan Aruch with regards to what's mutar and what's asur, you're asking about how you could or would handle I just can't something that could be asur for somebody to move in that state that this is setting up a situation of Isur, of someone violating. You're, I think what you're asking is in general, how do we deal with Basis? Yeah, we'll deal with it. Says the Gemara, If this is so, I know you're going to a far extent, you're telling me that the wine is prohibited. Okay, but Didan, Didan means ours, name as well. Even our wine, the glass that I drank from at the meal on Shabbat, it too should. Pose a problem. Maybe we shouldn't have wine at the table. Maybe no more drinks. Maybe no more food at our. T- what are you talking about? Says Rashi. The <laughs> Hazu. means it's disgusting when you have a, a three-quarter finished glass at the table. Nobody's going to drink from that any longer. It's been. It's just a slow down. Um, I, I don't know. You, you have chickens in your home. You knew the answer of the Gemara because you. The Gemara says chickens, that's, that's the next line. What do you mean, it's the next line in the Gemara can. Anyway, so the statement here, they go, your dog would drink, drink a one, yeah. Um, yes, if it's in a particular context, if it's in Mishtaot, not if it's at your table and one person's drinking, another person's drinking it. Um, so it says the Gemara. So what about our own? It should pose a problem. You finished your meal. It's Muktzeh. Whatever's left over at the table should be Muktzeh. Answers the Gemara. No, our leftover is Didan Hazul Ternigolin. Yeah. What's Tarnegolin? Chickens. Apparently, tr- chickens used to get a little drunk or liked wine, or still do. And as a result of this leftover wine from my glass, it's okay to clear it off because even though I'm not giving it to the chicken, it is. Um, possible to give it to a chicken. It's not considered a It has a usage, but I'm not using it for that. That doesn't matter. We're not doing any isum melacha We're doing a rabbinic item that it has no usage. It does have usage. Says the Gemara, really? What about Ditu Nameh? What about theirs? Ditu means theirs, meaning the non-Jews. Hazul Tarnegolin. You told me theirs is a problem of Mukseh because it's left over wine. Uh, ours is not. Well, why not? Ours can be given to the Ternegolin. Why can't theirs? Answers the Gemara Ditu Issureha uh, so it says the Gemara D2, theirs is different than ours because theirs is a higher stature of Mukseh. It's isur ha-na'a. You're not allowed to get any benefit from it. My leftover wine is disgusting. Mukse. their leftover wine you're not allowed to get any benefit from. You can't even give it to your tarnagolin. Why would you bring me to Shabbat doctor wine do this week get any benefit from it? The issue is not that I'm going to benefit from the wine afterwards. The issue is the clearing it off the table. Who's gonna benefit from that wine afterwards? It's leftover wine in the cup. I a No, but I'm not nervous about giving it to the chicken. The rabbis don't go that far. They say, you're able to give it to the chicken. We're not saying that it's prohibited to drink with them because you might give it to the chicken. We're saying you can't do it on Shabbat because it's leftover and you have no usage because you can't give it to the chicken. Says the Gemara, lastly, V'letaltilinu agav kasa. Why don't we, and we'll pause with this and read further with this tomorrow, why don't we carry it agav, we know that word already, based upon, on the back of, Kasa means the cup, which means to say, it's true, the wine inside of this cup is ne'esar bahana, is Mukse, but the cup is not Mukse. So I mentioned to you fancy terminology earlier, I said it's called the basis, it became the base, it became the holding place for the mukzeh. Apparently the Gemara is going to challenge such a, such a notion. Already, Jared's question will play out a little, in the Gemara will already understand some situations are considered a basis, others are not. We're going to have to determine what defines a basis le-devar ha-asur. Apparently, the Gemara is going to challenge. itself. some situations are permitted. This one, for some reason, is asur. That's what's to come. Could you put it on a piece? Could you put a piece of bread on it and carry it in such a fashion? But I, 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 no. He's saying you're putting it underneath the, the cup in such a circumstance. Uh, it's an interesting query. We'll, we'll return to such a Ultimately speaking, the rabbi still made the out because I, I assume they fear you're not going to be doing so. But whether you could do so or not is an interesting question to ponder.